Thank you for downloading the Aging Matters podcast. To find out more about how Transitions Life Care is providing care and comfort for life's changing needs, visit transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with... Nicole Cleggett representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, how are you doing? You know, I'm okay, but I have a funny gardening story to tell oh, you. Oh, lay it on me. So, are you a fan of the herb dill? Um, I can't say I've used dill in too many things, but I'm, I'm aware of its presence. You're, well, I'm very aware of its presence. So, I planted dill several weeks ago, and I was a little bit concerned. It didn't seem like it was doing very well. So, I planted some more seeds this weekend, and I thought, well, I definitely need dill because I make pickles. And then I had decided I was going to weed around my garden, and I thought, hmm, that looks like dill. And then I continued to weed, and it was dill. And then I went along more, and there was more dill. And then I started looking at my grass, and there was dill. I was looking around my pond, and there was dill. I was looking along the horse pastures, and there is dill everywhere. I probably have 50 bushes of dill plants throughout my property. And the irony is that I was planting more dill because I didn't think I had enough. And I think I need to contact Mount Olive and see if they'd like to purchase my dill, and I can make a side living on that. I I think so. What's the deal with dill? Apparently, apparently it, it... seeds well and apparently it is a biannual and so wherever it has seeded it will continue to grow for two years and maybe die off and but I mean, so now my children are going along the grass and just looking like they're they're, they're animals in a pasture and just picking. I'm like, you, you make sure it's dill. Don't eat just some random weed. I think you need your own podcast or video series dedicated to the garden because it's, it's a, every it's, week it's something something well, exciting. I'm so I'm the dill fairy. So I'm delivering dill. If anybody wants dill, they can come see the dill fairy. You know how they're doing these chicken trucks? I think you could you could set up a dill truck. Chicken and dill tends. I think I, that I, goes well together. I've heard. I don't know. I think we're on to something. <laughs> 40 bucks a pound or 40 bucks for 40 pounds. I, I like that idea. All right, Nicole, let's get down to business here. We've got a, a guest standing by and I don't want to keep her waiting any longer. We've got Vivian McLaurin with us. She's a certified aging life care manager with Preferred Living Solutions, and we're going to be talking about being prepared. Vivian, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yes, I'm ready to run out and buy a case of um, canning jars, and I'll know where to go for my dill. <laughs> That's right. You for just summer you, when I'm you just let me know, nipple. and you can have a no contact pickup. <laughs> <laughs> so so glad. front porch pickup. That's exactly right. So I'm really excited to talk with you. I've known you for, gosh, so many years now. I think we very first met way back when we were having caregivers conferences years ago and have always appreciated your presence and, quite frankly, appreciated what you're going to be talking about today because I happen to have a, a piece of what you're going to be talking about in my very own home. And so living prepared, I think, um, on many levels is, is what's on Americans' minds and the folks here locally, obviously, during this time of the COVID-19 pandemic. And just in general, I think it's super important for us just to be prepared for the inevitable. And um, one of the things that we all know is a fact, um, we, we, we all know that um, we're not going to be here forever. And so really just you know trying to think about the things that we need to have in place to help family members who are going to be left behind make sense of kind of 
everything that we had going on in our lives, especially now that we're living in such a digital age. Absolutely. You know, we have always said um, that life is unpredictable and that you can never be too prepared. But boy, that really has some uh, relevance that just goes beyond the norm at this time. So you have a document or more of a, I'm not sure if it's a binder still, that's the way it lives in in my home, but it's called Living Prepared, correct? It is, yes. And and there's a little history behind the name of the book. Um, And so people may know it, and and I know that the the binder that you have in your house, uh, the title of it is The Drop Dead Book. Mm -hmm. Um, And we retitled that about a year ago. Um, for a couple of reasons, and, and we now refer to it as the Living Prepared Workbook, um, and it is a binder, um, and it is a wonderful resource um, to help any of us, whether it's someone that is an aging boomer, <clears throat> it's a millennial that is trying to help their parents have things in a more organized fashion, um, parents of special needs children that really have a a special calling to make sure that they have all of their documents in in order. Um, It it really is a very helpful resource to know that you are living prepared. Um, The old name, The Drop Dead Book, was um, developed by Melanie Mattingly, the creator of this workbook. She was working with a client um, whose husband had passed away suddenly, and she was at the dining room table with the client, and the the lady was had all these papers strode and strung everywhere trying to make sense of things, insurance policies, birth certificate, death certificate. And she said to Melanie, she said, oh, my goodness. She said, I'm not doing this to my children. What happened if I drop dead tomorrow? And so that's where the original name came from. Um, and and that that title does have a great ring to it. And um, my binder and my house is the old title. Um, but we really think that the Living Prepared Workbook um, now, eight years since it was first created, really is more relevant and uh, a timely name. So what are some of the things, I mean, obviously, you know, we want to have things like perhaps a copy of our will and, you know, maybe our social security cards and birth certificates, things of that nature. But what are some items that people don't often think about that really need to be at the fingertips of loved ones in the event that they were to suddenly pass away to just to kind of ease that time of crisis and emotional drain? There's so many documents that we really don't even think about. And, And I speak from my own experience as a care manager working with um, families with aging loved ones that are either in the hospital or or that have passed. Um, And so this is a really comprehensive table of contents with um, the clear sleeves that you can slip documents into and have everything in one place. For example, some of those documents, one of the things that people absolutely don't have at their fingertips when they need it is a long-term care insurance policy or a life insurance policy. And I can't tell you how many times um, maybe the son knows that that dad had one big uh, life insurance policy and knows who the agent is and can get that, but then come to find out 
dad had a life insurance policy that he purchased years ago. And, you know, the, the copy got lost in three moves over time. And the kids didn't even know that that life insurance policy existed. Um, after someone passes the documents that we need to pull together in order to probate an estate, um, you know, that's not the time that you want to be rummaging around and, and your loved one's home and in their desk drawers trying to put things together. Um, other things that are important, um, we love our pets. We love our animals. And when someone passes away suddenly, that's one of the pieces of information often that's hard to, to know um, is all the things about your your loved one's pets so that you can continue to look after them. Um, another one, usernames and passwords. Yeah, I was going to say, that's, that's tricky. Careful. Yeah, that, that that really is a tricky one. And, and I know that there are several usernames and passwords that I have that I, it seems like I have to update them every 30, 60, 90 days. And so I will say, you can put me on the naughty list uh, for this because I probably haven't updated that piece of my book in, in a very long time. And it's just... Even the even the lock passwords to your cell phones, right? Because maybe you know people need to get into there to contact people, or even things like if you're on social media, you know, how do you get onto somebody's social media page and deactivate it, or you know, pass it on to somebody else? Things of that nature. Exactly. Or um, you know, our digital lives live on after us. So um, to, to have those passwords and usernames in one place, and and to have a system where um, you agree with someone that you know, love, and trust that when you make an update that you give a call or send an email and let them know that. Um, that's one of the services that um, I provide for one of my clients now. I manage her living prepared workbook for her. She's 90 years old and has a lot of chronic health um, issues, but she's still, you know, on Facebook and she pays her bills online. And so... When she changes um, a password, she just gives me a call and I pull out her book and I make that change. I will say uh, one cautionary note that the information contained in this Living Prepared Workbook is very confidential. Mm -hmm. um, we certainly don't want to be sharing passwords with, you know, have them out where they could be accessed by um, anyone coming into the home. And so we really recommend that um, you purchase a little safe and have that workbook um, stored so that it's, you know, safe and not accessible to just anyone that happens to come into your home. And this is the perfect piece as well, you know, not even necessarily if you're facing death, but, you know, we do live in a state where we do have natural disasters, things like hurricane season come along. And so, um, or there's potentially, you know, a tornado's coming along. And that is really just a great thing just to be able to just grab and go and not have to be rifling through everything to make sure, you know, your birth certificates don't get flooded and you don't lose your Social Security card because, my gosh, having to get all of those things. I mean, we remember what it was like when we got married, when we had to change our names. It's, it's, that is not a fun process. It takes hours and hours to replace some of these documents. Absolutely. And, for example, the Social Security Administration, they don't recognize a power of attorney. You have to have a special um, designation uh, permission on file uh, or they won't speak with anyone other than the owner of that social security card um, and that can be a very difficult thing to happen if all of a sudden you realize that your loved one 
um, you know, is starting to have some cognitive issues or they're sick in the hospital in intensive care, which unfortunately we're hearing so many stories about right now. Um, sort of a, um, a, a hard story to hear, but one that's relevant. Um, we have a, a client right now whose mom fell, broke her leg, um, had surgery, and then had to go to rehab where the hospitalization and rehab, the son is not able to um, to see her in person. Um, he did not have power of attorney for her. And to make this story sadder, his dad dropped dead um, the next day after she had her um, leg surgery. So he is trying to pull together all these pieces of information in so many ways for her while she's rehabbing. And then he plans to move her back to Raleigh. And he needs things like a copy of her birth certificate and her social security card and her insurance cards. And it's just been a nightmare of logistics trying to get that information um, to so that he can do what he needs to do for mom. Yeah, that's why it's so important to have everything in a central location. Vivian, if someone is interested in finding more information, is PreferredLivingSolutions.com the best place to go? Absolutely. Yes, it is. Um, we have a page um, that about the Living Prepared book. Um, and then if you want to order one, you can give us a call. Right now, we don't have a, a link um, to order one online, but we're working on adding that. Um, but you can always call us uh, or send us an email with our contact information right there on preferredlivingsolutions.com website. Excellent. That's PreferredLivingSolutions.com. She is Vivian McLaurin, Certified Aging Life Care Manager for Preferred Living Solutions. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News talk traffic. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And Nicole, we're going to switch gears here and we're going to be talking about uh, the healthcare world and why there are some challenges when it comes to hiring healthcare workers. And to do that, we're welcoming one of our own, and that is Melissa Short. She is the Vice President of Human Resources at Transitions Life Care. First time on the program. Melissa, thank you so much for joining us. Hi. Good evening. It's great to be with you guys. So Melissa is, and she won't say this about herself, but she is truly one of the best gifts at Transitions Life Care. So I'm so pleased and honored to be able to speak with her today. I just love how she relates to the employees and really coaches folks and, and makes sure that we have the very best folks that work for Transitions Life Care. So thank you so much for your passion and dedication to the organization. Oh, well, that, that's so kind of you to say. Thank you for, for having me here. And um, it's, it's an easy job to have because I work with some really, really wonderful people um, who are really passionate about um, the care that they deliver every day. So one of the things that we are um, charged to talk about today um, is really an overarching issue throughout our country and even around the world, um, but we're going to specifically talk about our area. It's really the challenge in 
hiring and attracting healthcare workers. Um, you know, we are on this this edge of in the beginning waves of the what is known as the silver tsunami, where we're having so many older adults turning 65 and up, and with that comes um, obviously as we age an increase in the number of chronic conditions that folks have, and potential obviously end of life needs go up as folks age, and so you know finding those true passionate people who are willing to work with individuals with multiple diagnoses and really doing some of the hard work, which is also a gift in end-of-life care, I'm sure proves incredibly challenging in your role at Transitions. It, for, all, for all of those factors, it is difficult, um, but not impossible. And I think we have to speak to um, a couple things in general. One is that um, we do a lot of hiring for nurses, um, for RNs specifically, um, and across the country, as well as in North Carolina in our area, there is, you know, a tremendous need for nurses. Um, there's been a nursing shortage, um, and so there's really a supply-demand issue overall, um, which is not unique to North Carolina, um, and that's really caused by um, you know, an aging population, um, the, there are a number of people who need care, um, and there are not enough nurses to be able to truly meet that demand right now. Um, that's caused by a few different things, you know, a number of nursing schools. Um, we have a number of nurses who are um, reaching their own retirement age. Um, so right now, I was just looking, there was a study conducted in 2018 by the National Council of State Boards of Nursing, and at that time, um, almost 51% of the RN workforce was age 50 or older. Wow. Um, yeah, right? Isn't that hard to believe? Well, yeah, I mean, because they're um, going to age out in the next 15 years They're going to age so. out. Mm -hmm. They're going to age out, right? And... Um, you know, and nursing is a difficult field. I mean, it is, it's challenging, challenging work. So um, you have that you have that going on in general. Back in the day, you know, right now, I, I just heard a report that most people, so there's more women going to college than men. And back in the day when women were starting to get higher education, um, you know, you kind of had a, a few options as a woman or, or, or generally what most women did. You became a teacher, you became a nurse. Um, and now, you know, I think because it is a, a lot more commonplace for women to be doing a lot of other roles, it's probably even harder for the nursing schools to attract people who would formally um, have considered nursing because they're looking at doing other things. You know, that is a really interesting point. And, and I, I don't know the answers um, to that question, but I do know that there aren't enough nursing programs um, to meet the demand. Um, so that, that, that is something that I would be really curious to know the answer to. But you're right, my mom is a nurse. Mm -hmm. um, she was a, She's retired now, but that's what she told me is that when she was in high school, um, you know, her career options, as told by her career, you know, school counselor was teaching or nursing. Exactly. <laughs> so she, yeah. chose, uh, she chose nursing as her, as her career path. Awesome. Well, so, you know, the other thing that I think that we run into as well is 
I'm not really sure, and I think it's getting better. Um, and I actually, my stepdaughter, she is um, she works over in, at Clemson, and she's actually a student advisor for the nursing program. Um, oh. And still to this day, a, a lot uh, there really is not a lot of practicum, practicum given for community-based care in general. It's more focused in the hospitals, and so a lot of times people who are who are planning to be a nurse are really not even understanding what it would like to be a community-based care nurse. And so I'm wondering as well, you know, do we need to sort of target it from that level, from the higher education level, to make sure that people get more exposed? And I think Transitions is partnered with a number of the nursing schools in the area to give people some exposure, correct? That is correct. We we do have partnerships with several nursing schools um, in the area, and we have... Um, student nurses that rotate through um, to get some exposure to end-of-life care here. Um, my understanding is that some of the nursing programs are working now to add some community-based curriculum um, into their programs to, you know, really to specifically increase that um, to give those student nurses some exposure. But that is one of the challenges that organizations like ours face because we're very, um, most of our nursing roles are based in the community. So, um, you know, nurses who have been trained uh, don't necessarily, it's not necessarily the best match for them to come right out of school and go into an RN case manager role where they're managing end-of-life patients um, in an in-home setting. Um, they just haven't had that exposure or that training. Um, so, you know, it, we're hoping and we're working with those organizations to try to give them that exposure because it really, it can be such a rewarding career. It gives, it gives the nurses a lot of flexibility. Right. Um, it gives them a very independent role um, and they work directly with the patients and their families over time. So it can be just a wonderful career, um, but they've really got to get the exposure to it too. Yeah, anecdotally, obviously this is no, not a professional study by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> but when I talk to people who are in hospice nursing, I often ask, well, how did you get into that? Just out of curiosity, I tend to have a curious brain about things. And, you know, for the most part, it was either they were working in the hospital and saw the way people were dying, not to knock on hospitals, but just felt like there must be a different way. And then number two, they had a personal experience with a loved one who passed away on hospice and just fell in love with that model of care. And um, and, and and you're right, it tends to be, um, you know, people who are at least 40 and up who tend to make a transition after they've had the first 20 or so years of their career in a more acute setting from what I've from what I've noticed about from people that I've spoken to. Yes, um, we. It's interesting that you say that because I surveyed our workforce probably about a year ago. Um, you know, out of curiosity to find out. You know, I, I hear those stories too, um, but how many of them really had had some sort of personal experience with hospice um, or palliative care, end of life um, themselves? And I think it was over fifty percent of our workforce. Um, had, you know, kind of across the board had had some type of personal experience with, you know, a family member or a close friend um, in that setting before they came to work at Transitions, um, which is just amazing to me. Um, and that, you know, tells me, I mean, I think we, we take steps to 
really hire people that um, are true believers in our mission, but um, I think that just really goes to speak to the passion that um, these team members have for the work that they're doing. They've been there. We've got Melissa Short on the line. She is the Vice President of Human Resources at Transitions Life Care. You can find more information at transitionslifecare.org, and we will continue our conversation Right after this, you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. On the line, we have Melissa Short. She is the Vice President of Human Resources at Transitions Life Care. And we're talking about the challenges in hiring healthcare workers, Nicole. And uh, we were talking about there's obviously going to be a shortage of nurses looking down the road. And, you know, we're, we're hearing a lot about right now. We're celebrating our frontline workers, but you know, it's, it's one thing to celebrate them, but it's another thing to try and convince people that this is the line of work that we need you to enter into. Exactly. And, and also, you know, when you're in community-based care and you're competing with other types of care, whether it's, you know, in a physician's office or in an acute setting, um, like a hospital, you know, how does an organization like Transitions Life Care stay competitive and try to attract nurses? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so we, in, in our field, which is um, end-of-life care, um, you know, it can be emotionally taxing work um, because our team members are often um, working with, you know, family members and the patient um, over longer periods of time. So they do get to know the families. Um, sometimes those are complex family dynamics as well, but um, it also enables them to develop um, some really lovely relationships um, with those families, too. So one of the best things that we do, and I think this is just critical in um, a healthcare field um, for nursing and CNAs, is we just have a really generous pay time off uh, policy. So we give every new hire um, six weeks of paid time off um, because it's just so critical that they use that time for their own well-being and self-care. So I think that's that's absolutely critical. You know, things like flexibility, I think recognizing that you want to make sure that when you've hired the right person, um, that they can be with you over time. So you've got to be able to work with them um, as their life need changes. So sometimes that's part-time, sometimes that's full-time, um, sometimes that's, you know, someone has a child, um, or adopts a child, you know, their, their needs for work change and, and we want to be willing to work with them there. But probably one of the most important things for any employer in the area and employing healthcare workers that you want to keep is really to have a great culture. Um, you really want to make sure that you're supporting healthcare workers who, um, you know, are giving their all. You want to give um, then the best support that you possibly can in order for them to do their best on the job and to care for your patients um, and families, you know, wholeheartedly. So in order to do that, you've got to create uh, and sustain 
sustain a wonderful culture, um, you know, that is supportive of the employees, supportive of the patient, um, and that includes things like recognition and celebrations and um, transparency and, and really good communication as well. I want to talk a moment about the gift of hospice nursing. I will tell you, um, you know, my, my plan for my entire life when I knew everything I knew and I thought I knew the, everything about the world when I was all probably 21 was I was going to be a guidance counselor working in a you know primary school. And I got placed in an internship in a skilled nursing facility and I got, you know, I would, and I was not happy about it because that was not at all what I wanted to do. Um, but you know, I had to, I had to be there thirty hours a week for an entire year, and um, on top of my regular coursework, and so I had to make the best of it. And I absolutely fell in love with the older adult population. And I will tell you, the the biggest gift that I ever received that year, which ultimately changed the entire course and career trajectory of my life, of what I've done ever since then, uh, was when I got welcomed in by a family as if I was part of the family, and I held the hand of a resident as she passed away, who became incredibly attached to me with a cognitive diagnosis. She thought I was her niece, and she was confused about who I was, but I was comforting to her. And to be there, to me, it's similar to being witness to someone's birth. Um, But to Mm. be there when you're holding the hand of somebody who exits this world was an absolutely incredible and beautiful gift and and truly changed what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So, um, you know, I think there are some incredible gifts in hospice nursing. What do you hear from the nurses that work at Transitions about that? You know, the the gift is a really good word. Um, It's, I've definitely heard it referred to as a calling. Um, And the stories that um, some of our nurses and CNAs and employees share with me are are really amazing. Um, So it's always something I love to ask you know, is what was your story? What brought you into this field? Um, and, you know, sometimes it is a really personal experience. Sometimes it was from working in the hospital and they were on a, you know, intensive care unit and they just didn't like, they just didn't like how the end of life went for their patients. You know, they felt like there had to be a better way. And it's, I, w- I would agree with you, Nicole. I've, I've been present at the deaths of three people, which I think is, is not something I really would have wished for mm-hmm. in my life, yeah. but it was really a very, very moving and emotional experience each time. And this was all before I worked in end-of-life care, and it had a huge impact on my decision to, you know, enter this field and originally, you know, apply for this job and leave a a very good job to come to work for transitions, life care, uh, and human resources. Um, And a lot of that was based on my own personal experience and feeling like, you know, there was some some need to do this line of work um, because it is such a special experience. And you know um, that when you're in that situation and you're right there as a family member, um, with that person that 
No one, no one really can't, you just can't compare that to anything else. So if there are people that can help you navigate that and all the complexities and the challenges that come with that, you know, I would say that is really, truly a gift. So one of the myths, I think, and misperceptions out there in general is that if you're a community-based care nurse, whether it's home health, hospice, palliative care, you name it, that's less than being a nurse. That means you're just not that good of a nurse. This is a second string, B-roll, whatever you want to call it. And the reality of that, it is not true. My understanding of the role of the hospice nurse is that it truly uses every single clinical capability that you have ever been trained on. And in fact, it takes somebody who is probably one of the higher tier nurses to do it because you're operating often on your own. Yes, that's absolutely correct. I, I have not I have not ever heard it referred to sort of as a as a like a B level um, nurse. I mean the the team members that we employ are top notch and the work is very challenging um, and it is really because they do have to work in a fairly independent capacity. Um, you know, they're, they're, we, we work as a team. Um, every patient has um, a team of professionals that um, manage the care of that particular patient and family member, but um, our nurses are going out and um, working with that family, they're you know talking with the patient, they're assessing, um, they're evaluating, you know what's happening. Um, they're they're also talking about things that are really really complex um, about end of life. Um, sometimes you know they end up being the person that really has to explain to the patient and their family members what hospice is or that um, you know they're actually dying. Um, and that is really difficult. They, they really shouldn't be the person that has to explain that to the patient um, at that point in time. But oftentimes, the reality is that um, sometimes that's the case, that they, in partnership with the physician, are, um, you know, delivering that type of heavy conversation um, and working with those family members. So it is a complex role. Um, and, you know, these guys are empathetic. Um, they have to be empathetic. They have to be compassionate. Uh, they have to be efficient. Uh, and they have to be really skilled at what they do. Um, and I, I, we are just really fortunate to have some really talented people. So I would say, you know, the hospice nurses, the home health nurses, uh, our palliative care nurses, I mean, they really are some of the most skilled folks out there in healthcare right now. Melissa, thank you so much for your time this evening and for shedding some light on a group of workers that's often taken for granted. Great. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I really have enjoyed it and appreciate you letting me talk about this. Uh, we appreciate it as well. She is Melissa Short. She is the Vice President of Human Resources at Transitions Life Care. You can find more information at transitionslifecare.org. A quick break and back with more. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. 
This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett and uh, Nicole. I guess we can't really say it enough, but things have just changed so much uh, in the landscape of our, our daily lives with COVID-19. And, um, you know, Nicole, I think it's just more important than ever for us to maintain mental health and, and mm-hmm. make sure that we're taking care of ourselves. Well, this is incredibly hard for people. You know, human beings are social animals. I mean, as much as we all say, well, I'm an introvert or I'm an extrovert or whatever, but any period of isolation is just really incredibly hard on it, mental health. And then with the fact that there's just so much out of our control and then our all of our routines have been completely flipped on their ears. You know, we have kids home and we're not to, or kids who are in daycare and at home or school or, you know, they aging loved ones. We're all concerned about those folks. And the number of people, you know, applying for unemployment in this state is just exploding. And so there's just so much going on. And it can be just totally incredibly overwhelming. And so um, it's just incredibly important to really do some things for yourself to really help you maintain that sense of control. And I'll, I, I laugh when I say this, but just even a simple thing of try to create a routine for yourself at home, you know, whether it's just, you know, wake up in the morning, make your bed, you know, actually get out of your pajamas. You know, th- there's a sort of a joke going on, uh, around online about, well, this is, you know, bra sales are going down because no women are even putting on a bra. <laughs> now, you know, I'm here in the studio. I do have a bra on. <laughs> But, you know, these are these are all things, you know, we have to try to remain some sense of normalcy, you know, try not to sit there and binge watch TV 12 hours a day, get outside and take a walk. We have a beautiful weekend this weekend and, you know, really try to get outside and spend some time in nature. Um, and, And really, one thing that I think is it's hard not to do because we all have our devices literally in our hands is take a break from the media. Now, not our show, <laughs> just kidding, <laughs> but, um, yeah, but take a break from watching, from reading, from listening to the news stories, including social media. I mean, if I look at my news feed on Facebook, every other post is about something to do with COVID-19 and, and it just, sometimes you just need to get away from it and just turn it off. Even if you need to turn it off for, you know, 12 hours, just to give yourself that mental break. Yeah, I think that's wonderful, a wonderful idea, Nicole, because, you know, we've, we've sort of gone through these waves where the 24-hour news cycle was uh, just pumping stuff out literally minute by minute. Mm-hmm. And, and going uh, live every second. Yeah, yeah. And uh, at some point, you sort of get acclimated to that and you keep thinking, well, if I don't check, I'm going to miss something. And that's that's not the case. You know, you can take a break. And especially if it's causing you more anxiety than keeping mm-hmm. you informed, then, yeah, it's, it's definitely time to take a break. But, um, Nicole, I think you're you're exactly right about the mental health aspect. And I know a a lot of listeners and uh, people here at WPTF and Curtis Media Group have been talking to me about, well, you know, they've got loved ones who are uh, far away and they're worried about Mm -hmm. them and making sure that they're not too isolated. But uh, again, it's, it's not the time to go visit them. But hey, 
you can pick up the phone and call. You mm-hmm. can FaceTime, uh, video chat, whatever. There, there's plenty of opportunities there. And, you know, another way to reduce your stress and stress in others is really just checking the facts. You know, not every website, not everybody's opinion out there, opinions are opinions, and opinions aren't necessarily rooted in fact. But going to, like, the CDC website or the North Carolina Department of Human Services website to really actually understand, you know, number one, are you in the at-risk group? Okay, if yes, what does that mean? And what do I need to do about it? And if you're not, what does that mean? And what do I need to do about it? And really just just trying to just focus on the things that we actually have that are known. Um, and, and unfortunately, and, and, you know, all of our leaders in this country and in this state are, are grappling with kind of how to handle this. And so it is sort of changing day by day with restrictions and things of that nature. But just really trying to just stick to just trying to figure out exactly what the facts are and then how it actually impacts you. You know, I, I often, my husband and I sometimes get into conversations about, you know, global issues or nationwide issues. And sometimes just the thought of even trying to contemplate those things are incredibly overwhelming. And so brought into every single one of our living rooms now is this COVID-19 virus. And so I'm just trying to focus on every day, trying to do the next right thing and trying to do something that I feel will help somebody else. And it could be something like, you know, sewing those masks that you see a lot of the hospital systems asking for, donating food, you know, volunteering for Meals on Wheels to make some deliveries, even just calling on or calling up some of my older adult friends that I don't often talk to just to see how they're doing. Nicole, before we head out, I want to just give you a chance to let everyone know that uh, uh, Transitions Guiding Lights is still going strong and that if people still need that as a resource, it is completely available to them. We sure are. We are considered one of those essential healthcare organizations. So regardless of what's going on all around us and the different types of businesses that need to close, Transitions Life Care will be here to serve. All of our staff are working and connecting uh, family members to any resources that they need. We can provide any amount of education and support. And we are a free service uh, for the community. So all folks have to do is just give us a call at 919-371-2062, or they can certainly go to our website at guidinglightsnc.org and connect with us there. But we are still uh, operating, and if folks are in need of providing any type of care for their loved one and are needing um, us to connect them with a service provider, we can certainly do that. And we also have a whole host of online resources available to include a listing of all these shows that can help educate folks on how to care for their loved one. Because despite what's going on with this virus, loved ones are still needing care. Issues are still coming up. So we still have the normal stuff of life that's going on while we're all trying to work with COVID-19. Yeah, it's a a lot to juggle. That website again, guidinglightsnc.org is the best way to get a hold of them. We are out of time for today. I want to thank our guests for joining us by the phone this evening. Uh, We really appreciate them accommodating accommodating our social distancing that we're practicing here at WPTF. We are out of time for today, but you can find more information about the show and Find replays and past episodes of Aging Matters at WPTF.com. Click on the podcast button. There you'll find Aging Matters, and you can view the full archive of episodes there. On behalf of Nicole.
Bill Cleggett. I'm Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on WPTF. Have a great night. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.